Hello, this is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat. Listen, listen, listen. I've been hearing a lot lately about men don't talk. But in my experience, men do talk, just people aren't listening. So it's going to be me and a group of blokes discussing our struggles and victories through life. Warning, there may be some bad language, so apologies to all the moms, especially on my own. Let's get going. Listen, listen, listen. Having your gang, this is Black Country Blokes Chewing the Fat with me, Kev Dillon, Lee Cabman and Craig Pinches. Now today we're going to be talking about loss, as it's the 17th anniversary of losing our very own Thomas Hickenbottom. And to anyone who's been to Lyons will know he's been our patron saint ever since. There's a memorial statue of him up in Briley Hill, where I know the family and friends still visit to this day. But when we're talking about loss, I heard um, earlier in the week that one of our family members from the boxing world, Sam Bosina. Bazina. Sam Bazina. Sorry if I've said his name wrong. So to all his club members and family, said now loves, because boxing is one big family. I know people think of us having a lot of rivalry, but at the end of the day, we're all in for the same reason, to keep the kids off the streets and to get our boxers to those Olympic Games. So from all of us, our love goes out to you. But as I say, with Thomas, we lost him at the age of 14. He'd been now 31, coming 32. And to anyone who knows Thomas, what a remarkable young man he was then and what a great bloke I imagine he would be today. But it makes me think about uh, a lot of the um, people we've lost up here, from uh, Sam Passy to Ashley Sylvester to legendary Rob Rolls, who, and we lost them all too young. But I think what we do when we lose people, we, we, we don't mourn their death, we've got to celebrate their life. Because even though some of them have been taken away from us, too too soon, far too soon. But we can't lose sight of the joy that they brought into our lives. What do you think, lads? Yeah, I mean, look, going back to what you said, if my mind's a little bit blank at the, at the minute, um, I'm struggling to get my bearings. But going back to what you said, like with that guy from, was it West Ham? Yeah, from West Ham. You know, we don't know the, the situation. Um, I, I personally don't know the circumstance surrounding the passing of, of the young man. Um, but I think it's important to just pay your respects because it's still loss. Yeah. You know, if we're going to touch upon loss, it doesn't matter if you knew him personally, you can still pay respects, um, you know, and because some, somebody is still here suffering. Nothing that's it, isn't it, with uh, death. I mean, uh, I know the Hickenbottom, Carrie and Joe, some will love to you, and Danny Hickenbottom, the younger brother, still want to stay, as you do when you lose <clears throat> your brother or your your son, what Thomas had in his 14 years is a giant statue in Briley Hill. None of us, I guarantee, will ever have that. And to be a patron saint of a boxing club and everyone who's ever walked in here would point out the big picture of him that's above the ring and we'd tell him about the hicking bottom shuffling out, all these wonderful stories. And I think that's what, if we're lucky enough, our life will bring out all the stories. And I think that if we're lucky enough to have all these wonderful, brilliant stories and hopefully most of them are filled with love and laughter. We've lived a great life. How how long, what was the anniversary, how long? 17 years ago. Is that how long it's been? Uh, on Monday the 17th of August. Because I, I never actually knew the guy, if I'm absolutely honest, I, I never did. I, I came here, I probably came here once or twice at the same time he did, cause he was 31. Mm. He'd be 31. He'd be 31 and be 32 in August. So he's my he's my age. He's just a month older than me. So 
I've probably crossed paths with him, but I've never actually spoke to him. But I remember, I remember the news of, of that tragic day. But I can't believe it's been seventeen years. Seventeen years, it's unbelievable. That's a, that's a long. That's like a crazy amount of time that's passed by. You know, with, with a blink of an eye, isn't it? But I think, like, I mean, with having a boxing club, and I know all the coaches out there, or know some of the scallies and some of the the rogues, and like Ashley Sylvester lad and um, um, Sam Passy. They would, uh, their life was cut short in um, car accidents, and you know. So that's an like Thomas was pedalling his bike, went into the back of a parked car, went for doing it, cut his throat. To Rob Rolls, another one of the legends who um, had a brain tumor at twenty one, and they give him three months to live, and he battled ten years. You know, and it's um, it's a lot of these things, are just whatever your religious belief or whatever. And sometimes they they just shit that happens. We, we never get used to the loss, do we? No. You know, we we each have a process, we have a grieving process, and it never ends. A grieving process never ends. You just learn to adapt and live with with the situation you're in. But we never ever I always say when, when someone passes away and they say, No, but I try and keep it respectful, but I always say death is the biggest part of life, yet it's the one part we never ever get used of. You know, each each passing of somebody that you love is is it's just a complete different set of emotions. But you know, imagine those people, some people in the in the um, in the professions when they have to get used to death. Oh, um, yeah. But it's just because that's like um, an in and out, an in and yeah. out. You know, someone comes in, someone dies, and one of my good friends, um, Joanna Crump, used to work in. Well, she's been on the Crown Award, and but she used to be in an old people's home, and it was a weekly, then it's become a daily, and then I through all these like probably an hourly thing of just someone going but I think it's a difference when it's your job to someone who you hold dear you know yeah. or you personally know them well there's there's a there's a way they do it is it compartmentalise is that is that a word am I making that up <laughs> I'm, I'm, I know what I'm trying to say because like, I'm struggling to articulate myself but I knew a copper um, and he once said to me that he, he'd spent I think he'd spent the night basically an accident would that uh, happened and a car had pinned a, I think it was a six-year-old boy against the wall, and he had to hold that kid's hand, and, and, and sadly passed away, holding his hand. And I asked him, I said, how do you take that home with you and not take it home with you? And he said, you have to just, you have to learn to deal with it and shut off, because if mm -hmm. you take it back home with you, you know, and you think, wow, that, that like you say, within the profession is undertaken, or whatever it is, that that's, that takes undoing. Well, that's the main reason why I never become a counsellor. Is I did my counselling course level two counselling course, and I've done NLP with Nick Davies and bits of hypnotherapy. But the re the main reason to stop me from doing it, I'm a very caring person. But if I had to hear abuse, abuse, and that you know all the time, I personally don't think I could shut off from it. No. I I love to be a wall for you to lean on, but if I was there having to hear it all the time, I really go through all the ins and outs. I don't think I'll be strong enough. Although, it's amazing what we are strong enough when we're faced with it. But that's one of the main reasons why I didn't do it. It makes a lot of sense. I mean, like you say, you you take you take pride in knowing that you're there to help. Mm. But you would, I think, I think you'd be resilient mm. enough to cope. At least at face value, yeah. there in that situation, mm. what it does to you after the well, fact. That's it. Once you leave the room, that's the, the thing. Lights come off and you're lying in bed on your own. You know that's that's a different story. You know, but it takes a strong-willed person, like you say, social workers and that. It takes a strong-willed person and a 
and a great character, someone that really wants herself to to have to listen and put herself through that. Uh, what you just mentioned about that police, uh, was it police? Said yeah, it was police officer, yeah. I don't know whether that's an old way of dealing with things, to be quite honest. I was just mm-hmm. thinking about it as you said it. I mean, that's the way he deals with them, that's great, but I think that might be an old pass way. I'm just going to shut off and go back. Yeah. Is that really... That might, I mean, again, we always say find your own medicine. It might be his medicine, but my feeling is, shouldn't we, shouldn't shouldn't they have some kind of help talking about that? Because, yeah, to me, shutting off and just walking through the door won't get rid of that. From my personal experience, within especially having kids as well, that's that's from me. You know, I'm not sure. And again, it, that might just be it, actually that is his medicine. He can just blank that out. But I know for me personally. I think that I think I'd have done that previously, and that'd have caught up with me eventually. In fact, what you just yeah. said, like uh, Ian Hines, who's come out before with um, mental health first CIC, and he's doing his counselling thing. But he says every time you do counselling after a certain amount of hours, then you have to go and see a counsellor for the reasons I was just saying. So you're not carrying the baggage. baggage yeah. You have to download. And but it, it's like <laughs> I regret some. Sorry, I'm in five different conversations. <laughs> but it's like what you said. Like some people put their heads in the sand. Me, I go over, not, I'm like my dad, we go over and over and over in our heads, whereas my mum's like an ostrich, she just puts her head in the sand. If something's upsetting her, she chooses not to think about it. Yeah. And whether that's a healthy way, but it's her mechanism, her yeah. medicine to get through it. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say, just for exactly that. It's Some people will do that, and maybe that works for them. Maybe mm. it's not working for them, but they don't, they're like what we used to be, where we couldn't talk about anything. Mm. So maybe actually it's not working, but they the, the don't know any other way of dealing with it. They, they don't want to talk about it because it shows a weakness. Like I remember my granddad's funeral, I didn't cry at all through all of that. Didn't cry at all, and he's locked my eye up, didn't, you know. Mm. I, I felt like he'd gone and now I was the man in the house. Mm. So I couldn't, I couldn't show any weakness, and I know that caught up with me eventually. Caught up with my nan's funeral, to be fair, and I just I broke down then. I think I think it's mad like when you when you mention funerals and that, um, and I'm not trying to be too morbid here, but the the passing of two very special people a couple of years back within the family, you know, husband and wife been together many many years, died within the same week of each other, um, and I I went I managed to go and see him in the funeral home, and it broke me, mm-hmm. absolutely broke me like I I, I couldn't console myself, yet. A couple of hours later, at the the cemetery, in the actual funeral, I couldn't cry, yeah. and I didn't. I didn't know whether I'd go to help my system or whether that was, you've got to show a sign of strength here, you know, for the people that are directly affected because they're, well, basically it's my partner's family, so it's not blood family to me, even though they felt like it, after so many years. Um, but I don't know if it was a show of strength or whether it was a coping mechanism. I don't know. I don't know why I was, but I couldn't shed a tear. And for years, I mean, even years before, the last three years, my emotions started coming back for years and years. My partner thought I'd, I'd lost my heart because I couldn't cry. I couldn't cry. I couldn't get emotional. I couldn't do anything. Now I'll cry at Bambi, you know, if <laughs> you know, Sons of Anarchy when I hope he died. Oh, man. Not, I know. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Risk is beast. You ain't seen it yet. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> I've seen it all yourself out. <laughs> I haven't seen it. Okay, <laughs> one of our first ever episodes, it's on our archives, it's on uh, YouTube, and it's um, Should Men Cry? And we said that before, like, we could be at a funeral, or my wife's left me, or my mum's died, or my, my daughter's sick, and people would say, oh, you know, man up, pull yourself together. Yeah. Then we could all be there watching the wolves or the baggies and 
they can go up, go up to the next league or come down and you'll see 20,000 men sobbing. So it's, it's all right to cry then. And we, we said this on that original episode. It's okay to cry in times of happiness, yeah. but then we almost try and hold it together yeah. in times of sadness. And isn't it mad? And we said about the boxing when um, Osama won the ABAs, you're crying because you're that happy. But then the following year when he, he lost, um, then you... You feel like crying because you're so emotional, but you don't because it's bad sportsmanly. Yeah. Or and that's that's just minor events, never mind loss and love and all this. And I think sometimes we we're to go over what I was saying, we're allowed to cry when we're joyous and oh, these footballers who I've never met have done yeah. something that doesn't really affect me on the day to day. But then my wife's run off with the milkman and I'm supposed to hold it together and keep my shit together. Mate, if it's absolutely crazy. Going back to like what you said just about the man upturn, I actually thought of this podcast because on the radio the other day it was some kind of um, some subject around mental health. I switch off when it comes to, to the radio because the news is never good news. <laughs> but they they was on about the term man up and how it harms mental illness, mm-hmm. like yeah, how it evokes mental illness and problems. And I thought this po- this podcast could you always say that's a term that's widely used, man up, mm. and it never helps. So when you said it, just it just jogged my memory about that that other people in other organisations are actually starting to pick up on the term. But, man it's, up. but it's funny you say that because when we were speaking with um, Marcus when he was on, he was saying actually, basically, he was implying that actually sometimes that is the right thing to say. Mm. It's just that it's too widely used. Um, so you're not saying it at the right time, which is doing damage. But actually, sometimes going to some to someone at that right point and going, "Come on, pull yourself together, man." Yeah. But, uh, is but that's beneficial. When, when you've got someone in the corner and you're sitting them down, there's some kids. If you give them an almighty bollocking, they'll have a cry. Mm-hmm. Then other kids, if you go, "Come on, champ, we're um, we're doing really well," that just won't light his fire. Like some kids, you're gonna go, "Are you gonna let him beat you today?" You're, and you'll go, "Will I hell?" And they'll stand up. Whereas other kids, you know, if you shout at them, they'll buckle and you go, come on, son, we're, we're almost there. Mm. And they'll go, all right, then I'll be right. You know? yeah. And it's, it's knowing yeah. your audience. Yeah. And I think that's, I'll read a quote the other day, actually, and it was the arm of encouragement. Some need it around their shoulder, some need it around their neck. Mm. And it's very true. Some, and it, there's, no, there's no right way or wrong way. It's just knowing that specific person and what they need. Some people don't, don't, receive that world of compliments and that oh come on you, you're gonna do it they don't receive it they need that kick up the arse to, to ignite the fire like you just said and that's the same with grief isn't it yeah. some people um would have to mourn they'd have to lock themselves away not see anyone go into that dark room or that dark motel whereas other people need to be work as soon as they heard that news they go all right then i've got to go to the gym or i've got to go to work because they need to stay busy both things are right for that person yeah and i think it's when we start saying no, no, you've got to stop. You've got to stop. Oh, oh, uh, or go and be busy. You've got to read that person because we're individual. But sometimes, <laughs> devil advocate with myself, sometimes someone's been doing the wrong thing for so long, he might need yeah. to go and see that professional to go, what did Nick Davis say? Because sometimes just because you're being busy doesn't mean you're being constructive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we've got these ways... They might not necessarily be the right ways, but it's up to us as people to try and find out when it's not working. Like we've, we've often talked about going up and locking ourselves away or hitting the bottle or doing these things. 
and you come to that crossroads where you're going to lose everything by doing it or you have to do what we've done find these English podcasters really helped us on and the counselling's really helped me and the hypnotherapy and the NLP so sometimes we've got to find different ways of dealing with it perhaps better yeah, yeah. You've just got to find your centre, you know, and we, we so go, you know, we go off on a tangent and life pulls you this direction, it pushes you that direction, yeah. life gets in the way of life, as they say, and if you don't find your centre or find a way to get you back to your centre, I think that's where the problems occur, and that's what I'll go through, I can, it pulls me in, pulls me out, I end up stressing and losing my head and then I'm disappearing for three months while I try and gather myself. And I don't know I'm missing for three months until I come out of that fog. And then I'm like, shit, you know, it's, it's been three months since I've, I've played with the kids or three months since I've written music or anything. Do I disappear that long? Mm. But I don't have religion. I'm not a religious person. I'm, I'm, spiritual. I'm a spiritual person. I'm a curious person. But I don't have a God or, um, you know, anything that I can pray to. Mm. And I always say that I envy to a point religious people like that because when the chips are down they have faith mm. you know and I, I think that that's got to be a beautiful thing and that's how they find their centre maybe I need to find a faith maybe if it's, it's just that belief in yourself but the problem is when you're in the mist in the dark room it's hard to believe in yourself because you're the person you're battling with the devil's got a louder voice in that situation <laughs> the poison and the antidote like we did that uh, that short little cartoon yeah. and we know we're at this table now and the, the antidote's here that phone call, that meditation, yeah. and the poisons here, the uh, the alcohol, the drugs, the all the bad things for us. But isn't it funny? We often lean to that because we're already in a dark place anyway, and this has always yeah. kept me going. And that phone call is harder to make, isn't it? It is when you because if you're I, not the person who talks and, and and shares your feelings anyway, that phone calls a million miles away, basically. And the thing that I hear so much of so many people from all different parts of my friends is, I didn't want to bother you. I, I didn't want to bother you. And I went, if I don't want to talk to you, I won't pick up the phone. Mm. So as long as I keep picking up the phone... I, do you think it's really that they don't want to bother you or that I, they're too ashamed to bother you? I don't think it's a yeah. shame. I think a lot of time it is... They lack that self-worth. What I'm not important, and I've talked to some people, and once again, this isn't a blanket term, it's just some of the people I've talked to. They don't feel important enough to take up your time because they go, well, I know you're with Jasmine, or I know you're at the club, and they don't want to be an inconvenience because they haven't got that, I'm important enough. Some people, it's shame when it's coming across certain things, but I believe some people, it's just, I don't want to bother them because I'm not worth, I'm not worth it. Well, that's it. And half the issue is that people are all different. Yeah. If everyone was the same, if it was shame with everyone, yeah. you could almost go, okay, well, it's shame. I, I can have a process of dealing with that and helping, but it's shame with some, it's fear with other people. You know, it can be. Yeah, it can be. Uh, it's like a diet, isn't it? If there's one diet the man us all look like Quinton Hillocks. We'd all be on that diet, wouldn't we? But not even Quinton's on that diet, the bastard. <laughs> but, but it's right, isn't it? And it's, if the one shoe fit everyone, it'd be so easier. It'd be, it'd be easier, yeah, definitely. I think, yeah. I think, like, I justify, not calling anyone, I justify it to myself when I say, they're only going to passively listen anyway. They're only going to, you know, I had it the other day, somebody asked me, oh, how you going, Craig? What's, what's happening? And then before I could answer, they cut me off with a completely different subject. And I thought, 
that's a very passive way of and I was mm. feeling I was shipped to be honest. You know, I probably could have done with unloading ten minutes worth of shit on them, you know, but they cut me straight off. And then I start to I start to sense that that's an habitual pattern by the many people I come across, and then I justify it to myself. I think I need to speak to someone. No, they're going to passively listen. They're going to come up with an excuse. They're going to make it about them. Don't bother. It, it, isn't it funny though? We already have the answer reloaded for that question as well, don't we? Mm. Exactly. That's your default. Oh, yeah. I'm going to ask them for help. Yeah. Oh, because this is why. Well, no. So how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. Mm. Whether yeah. you're not or. You know, there's very few people who would turn around and go, actually, I'm a bit shit at the moment. Do you think that's that's down to the term that, as it go, mate, or I, I, that it's a pleasantry Treat, as opposed yeah. to a genuine it's it's a concern? Yeah. yeah, one of my best friends in the world, Michelle Cooper, and I've told this story before, she lives in Holland now. She went to the gym and she went past her and she went, how you doing, mate? He goes, well, actually, I'm awful. And he sat and talked for 45 minutes. And she went, we're in England, we just say that. And he went, and a, a fella said, well, you asked a question, you give you the answer. But in England, we're just used to, I've been, yeah, I'm all right. It's a passing pleasantry. That's yeah. that's all it is. And I think if somebody was to say, someone said, how are you going and I unloaded all the shit, that you know their next thing's going to say, fuck me, sorry, I asked. <laughs> you know. I don't know. I but, wouldn't doubt, I don't know. <laughs> but, I think it depends who it is, doesn't it? That's the fear. I know what you're saying. But that's <laughs> the fear we have. We, because if I tell him, what's he going to think of me? Or is it my go? You know what? Well done for saying it. The weird thing is, if someone did that now and, and I was, oh, how are you doing? Well, actually, I'm really shit. I'd probably... <laughs> what do I do now? <laughs> you exactly. know, where, where do I go? Because it's a you mean it as a rhetorical question. Yeah. You're already anticipating a generic response, response. not right. not an elaborated, like, oh, yeah, and I'm shit, the wife says, but that's <laughs> You know, you can... Fucking hell, you know, I thought I had problems. Mm. And I think... Like going back to the person that's asking the question or that genuinely is concerned, instead of just saying, oh, come on, tell me what's up, tell me what's up, sometimes they might, they might just need a, come on, fancy a kickabout, or come on, fancy a ride. You know, you know yourself there's a problem there, and they're probably not going to divulge it to you. So you just distract them, or you at least take them out of that, that situation. It's but them advanced techniques, I suppose, but I think just being a nice person goes a long way, doesn't it? But I think, like, once again, like, on to what we're saying, if you're walking for the supermarket and you go, how are you? And someone you don't know goes, well, actually, my dog's died and uh, I've got piles and I've got a bit of antifleeth foot. That's a shock. But if you, if they're in your circle, be it a work colleague, a junior colleague, an old pal, a, a partner, and they, and they say, actually, oh, that's a difference, isn't it? Yeah. Because... Yeah. It's uh, an unusual response probably at that point as well. But, yeah. but that, that might be when they do, when the floodgates really do open, that is when it's got to open because yeah. if they don't open then, they might be the next step of doing something they can't come back from. So I, if if you don't like the response, that's up to you. But then maybe we've got to have the courage because like, it's best to lose a friend than to lose a friend, as uh, Ian Hines and Matt from um, Mental Health First. It's best to lose a friend and they fall out with you than to lose a friend by them completing suicide. So... If they do start talking about that, then ask the question, are you feeling well? Are you feeling suicidal? And if it's out your comfort zone, there's many hotlines, as um, I'm sure at the bottom of this, as they always are. And it's the response of asking the question that is frightening. Because if I, yeah. if I, you ask me, uh, Kevin, not very well, um, he's suicidal, I went, you know, I see, yeah. Then you're thinking, what do I do with this information now? But that's when you've, um, loyalty 
Yeah. It's got to go out the window of, am I going to hurt his feelings? Then it's got to be, I've got to look after you and your family. I've got to refer you. I've got to phone up because you're a danger to yourself. And even if you go to counselling, psychotherapy and all this, if you say you're going to hurt someone or take your own life, they will get you the necessary help. Yeah. I mean, what? It, it, it's always going to be a thin subject. And I think with mental health, and I don't want to speak out of term when I say it and, and try and raise any disrespect, but I think it is used as a fad of late. Everyone... Like we said before, are you are you um, anxious or are you nervous? Mm. You know, and I think a lot of the time is because I see many people post, oh, I'm I'm depressed, I'm on this, I'm on that, so here's a smile from me and this that, and the other, and what what that does is, I'm not saying anyone's not genuine. I've got to really be careful what I'm saying here because you you can never tell, but what it does is if they're not genuine or they're not being as genuine as what they're putting out, it sort of numbs people's perception of it then because the more they see of it the the more normal it becomes and then the less they are to to you know say if a child goes missing and it's all over the news for months and months and months like the madeline mccann situation yeah let's uh yeah yeah <laughs> i know i know we've got to i've got to be careful what i say but like with that you found even if you watch like the news coverage and and people's interest in it when it was in on the telly all day all day all day it becomes normal, and it's not that I'm doing it on purpose. They just, they just program to say, right, that's something I see all the time. That's something I see all the time, and it loses its impact, what, so to speak. Well, what we were saying just before, I, I don't know the young man's uh, name who lost his life in Sedgley on Reece the week. Cox. Reese Cox. Reese Cox. So RIP to anyone who knows him. But unfortunately, like when you hear these, um, these terrible acts of violence, you're going to know telling people having their head stamped on, cut up, and stabbed, and Unfortunately, it, as you just said, we, we hear about it so often, it's become the norm now. People don't go outside and uh, have a bit of a punch-up. Mm. People are writing each other off, and um, that's the reason why I haven't gone to the pubs since lockdown. Because I'm hearing so much, you've got all these people who've been kept in, in for six months, and then everyone's getting on the drinking all day, and then getting on the whatever they're getting on. And it's such, it seems to be such a tense time. And then these terrible tragedies of people getting really written off just seem to be the norm now uh, and i think that's what it is i mean like many years i say many years ago i'm only 31 i'm talking like i'm 70 <laughs> but years ago it's like knife throwing it used to be well if something mm -hmm. like the millennium nightclub or something if a knife got pulled out it was a big thing because it mm -hmm. didn't happen often Mm -hmm. And like now, it's every other third story on the news yeah. is knife crime or it's beating, and it's it's mindless. It's not even to eat. You know, mm. we we're great. We're thankful enough to have a benefit system here in the UK, and although maybe not the best, we still have ways of eating without robbing. You know, other countries are not as fortunate, so it's nothing worth killing over. It's and a lot of time it's not even like he's. And he's not justified in any way, so but it's not like he's molested your daughter or he's um, burned in your house, which, you know, I'm not saying would be justified then, I'm not saying that. But a lot of times, he stepped on my shoe, he's bought a 10 bag, and he hasn't paid that tenner. And, it, and you're thinking, how could he get that far? Yeah. That you deny a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, of seeing that sibling grow up. And all when you lose someone in a situation like that, 
you don't just lose that person. It affects, it's like a, you drop a pebble in the water and all the ripples that come off it. Yeah. And, it's, and not only the person you've killed, but the person who stabbed him, his family, so he dropped another bond, the lad, uh, the um, the murderer, let's call him, his family, and, and it's... Himself. I mean, himself. I, I can imagine a lot of the time they're not going out to do that. Or if they have, they've been misinformed. Yeah, and just yeah. If you if if you know if you've trod on someone's shoe and and it started a ruckus mm. and someone's got killed in it, I can imagine at the point of him treading on your shoe and you arguing back, you weren't looking to kill that person. You might have been looking for a fight, but I can't imagine it. You were looking for that to end in in death or something. <laughs> just naivety. I don't know. I, I, I think you don't know, dear. I suppose. No, and I think that's really he's like nobody knows, and especially like the. I've got a younger brother. You know, he's like twenty three. I think it is, and he's got not the mentality. I wouldn't say the mentality of these kids, but I can see in him. He hasn't got the old fashioned mentality that that I have, mm. and that's obviously a generational difference. But I think if he's like, and I see it in him, my own brother. You know, he's got a temper on him, whatever. These other, these other kids, it's like, I'll do this, I'll do that, I'll do it. But why? Mm. You know, and I was 18 and 20 and 21 once, and I was a bit of a dickhead, you know. Mm. Hey, we all. But You wouldn't have I, thought about taking a knife out, would you? I'd never thought yeah. to. I'd have a ruckus, you know. I'd, mm. I wouldn't mind a ruckus. And, and to be fair, when you're younger, you have to blow off some of that yeah. testosterone. You do, because yeah. you feel that... That's the only way to solve anything, but I'd never, ever... I'd sooner lose with my fist than win with any weapon, mm. be it a bat, be it a brick. And now I'm 31 with two kids. Violence is the, the, it's <laughs> it's the perfect... No, it don't interest me. Like you said before, yeah. Kev, them that brag, oh, I knocked him about, oh, I did that. So you'd much rather listen to him say, oh, I helped my son yeah. ride his bike this weekend mm. and this time and other. This is pregnant. My lad's just got his yeah. green belt at karate mm. and he... Jasmine's got a dance, and I go, oh, true achievements. Yeah, true yeah. achievements. Instead of, oh, smashed him up, and I'm thinking that that doesn't prove to me. Yeah, well, man. most of the time they're smashing up people that can already beat. So we're, yeah. you know, well, this is why I love boxing. The majority of the time, especially amateur, you're getting in a ring, and it's going to be a fifty-fifty fight. Mm-hmm. You know, you're going in there to test your skill against someone else. Mm-hmm. You're not going in there to beat someone up. No, I think that's where you've you've hit the nail on the head when you say skill. And box, and it's an art form. Mm-hmm. You know, it is a skill, and it is an art form, and it is a discipline and a dedication. Whereas these, these guys, this youth—it's not all just the youth, but a lot of these youth today—they've got that pack mentality where they think we're just going to savage anything and anyone that stands in our path. But on the same yeah. note, that's been happening for years. You look at the football hooligan gang. I mean, mm-hmm. that's been going around years, and that is exactly the same mentality, isn't it? It is, but I, I but think... that's a sport, believe it or not. That, that, that's what they'd consider it. They go out for the sport of it. It's not mindless. It's one team but, against the other. It's, it's still not, mindless. But, I, I but know. Why are you carrying knives and slashing people? If you want to go out there, and if two two rival football teams want to go out there and fight and have a fit, oh, I've got no no problem. Mm. Bring your knives to it. Where's it takes the sport out of it at that point, doesn't it? Yeah. What, what it also is as well, from what you were touching on then, back in the eighties and the nineties when football hooliganism was um, really big, we haven't got the, the media, the social media. So yeah. if there wasn't a camera phone on every person there going, look at Lee stabbing on Kev's head and look at Craig yeah. in with a brick. And but nowadays every scuffle. We hear, we well, that, see, that, we... That, that death yeah. incident it was recorded, wasn't it? Was it? I mean, it's just... I've wh- seen people... And that, that, who the hell is watching that bloke 
happening that and recording it. Oh, fuck no, what's wrong with people? And I, and I the think first there's... thought for them was not to do something. I know oh, they probably was, they, they might have been scared and, and couldn't yeah. do anything, but you wouldn't pick up your phone and record it yeah. at the same time. Well, I always think that with them balmy bastards, and you'll see a volcano going up, or bombs are going off, and you see someone going, Whoa, man, let's, I'm thinking my natural instinct is to pick up Jasmine and yeah, run yeah, as fast yeah. as I can. Yeah. And, and I think it's... There's a, there's a lot of things... I believe his name is Reese Cox. I'm, I apologise if I get it wrong, but I believe that's that's the guy's name. And he was he was being the Samaritan. He was mm-hmm. intervening with something yeah. else. I've only read a little into it, if I'm absolutely honest. Um, but he was intervening. And I've seen a lot of people say about the bouncers of... of we can't really say too much of illegal no no obviously Um, what I'm trying to touch upon is like he did a good Samaritan's Mm. part and you know he paid the ultimate price for it yet the bouncers didn't do the good Samaritan part and getting tore apart and I think that's it's the double standards people expect people to live by Mm. Um, but like you say we won't get too much into it in truth like if if people are afraid or whatever to not get involved I understand that, but to stand there recording it yeah. is a totally different thing. Yeah, that makes sense. You're not just what you're not just fearful. You're actually you you might. Well, if you're scared, your first if you're scared, you don't media. you don't pick up your fam, your phone and record it. Here. If you're scared, you, you don't get out the way. Phone ain't. But how many yeah. times you see that face? But not as tragic as that poor young man dying. But just seeing people, women, children, little girls, little knocking seven bells out of each other and it should be and that's when the repercussions come because you give me a lamping in the pub people there have seen you know it's up to me then we're going to go back and have straight now or forget about it but if everyone is seeing it and it's filmed and you think well i can't i can't beat him and that's when people come back and do heinous horrible mm. things and i i, I that's ego isn't it? well it's ego sometimes out of fear that other people can do it and how many of the youth I talked to and I said, why are you carrying a knife? And he goes, I've got to carry a knife because everyone else is carrying a knife. But then the problem is, if you're carrying it, the more likely you're going to use it because if you don't use it, he's going to take it off and use it on you. Mate, and it's it's a vicious, vicious, horrible circle. I did a song once and it was it was a freestyle and it was about, about knives and that. And he said, people carrying weapons because they're feeling threatened and people feeling threatened of people carrying weapons. Mm-hmm. You're never, ever going to break that cycle i'm going to carry a knife because i'm scared of him carrying a knife but mm. now i'm the person someone's scared of that's carrying a knife, mm. and you, you're never going to get out of it and i mean how how do we change that path because i feel that whether isn't it? you say education but the people don't want to be educated anymore because they they're educated in in their mind they know how to live life they've got it sussed they've got every cheat code for it going there's no I mean, before it was leave school, get a trade, earn your coin, buy an house, settle with a family. Now it's how can I cheat a system or a person or a situation to jump a couple of spaces? It's like snakes and ladders they don't see. Sometimes you get a ladder. More often than not in that life, you're gonna get you're gonna get the snake. I mean, I believe in obviously boxing within schools, and if it's not boxing, kickboxing, karate. I think obviously I'm gonna sing the praises of amateur boxing. I've seen the results when we've gone to schools. Uh, and I also believe in getting a, a better relationship with the police. Mm-hmm. Like getting... Um, <clears throat> there's no fear for the police. From the, there's, no, there's no fear on any side, is there? But if you can get, like, in... Um, <clears throat> hopefully we're going to have uh, some police officers coming on here. Good coppers. 
So no, there's good and bad in everything, like there is in boxing, like there is in everything. But I think if we can get good coppers talking to people in safe environments like boxing clubs, like in karate MMA clubs going, where knows the baddies? Because they might be the one who remembers you as being Officer Dylan, I've messed up, but and he can say, Well look look here, I know you're a good kid, I'm gonna help you get out of it necessarily and then he could be saying does that make sense yeah get get people to know the police so they know if you have just done a, a stupid thing yeah. or hopefully you can educate you so we don't just think of every copper as being the violent and i think that's i mean growing up on a council estate you always grow up to know that the police i'll call them politely they were known yeah. differently yeah, when yeah. i was growing up they're they're this they're scum they're, they're the enemy in the basically they are and we're we feel we're the enemy so mm. we are enemies and i think that's been through generations yeah, yeah. but if you do learn if you do learn to work with these professional bodies you mm. know you do get some of them that abuse power of course that's like in absolutely everything you've always got a person that's going to abuse the situation the you know the position of power but i think if like you say you do start to break barriers down and say right how do we make this work mm-hmm. and he's going back to i know it's a program but sons of anarchy where he managed hunter hunter managed to work with the club he said he was never on anybody's payroll mm-hmm. but he found a way to make it work there's compromise on both parts that can be made but i've talked to good coppers and they've like <clears throat> caught a kid with a spliff and instead of like doing it it's just nobody else and i look the other way or yeah. someone or you you've been caught with your frosty jacks or whatever and they go look I've seen you, don't do it. But you know, of course, no trouble. But but then, because the red tape brigade comes in mm-hmm. and says, well, actually, I saw you uh, letting Darren get away with having a spliff. So you know, so that's why every crime has got to be reported. You thinking that's a just you know that's a nothing. Just yeah. let him know next time, Kev. I'm gonna tell your mom. I know where she lives. And next time, I'm going to... And most of the time, when I was a kid... The problem is the fear isn't there. It's not there no more, yeah. The respect isn't there. Like like Craig was saying earlier, used to be enemies with the police. That was the way he was brought up. Each each were enemy. But if a cop had come and told you to do something, guess what? You'd have done it. You'd have done it. Oh, mate, I I remember I must have been about 12, 13, and I remember a police officer walking. I lived on the Wallace, walking down our street, past my mum and dad's house. And I remember being down on the green as I walked past, me being a little cheeky twat, mates around on a BMX. What would you do if I saw it? Yeah. I, I wouldn't take too far into it. And he walked off, and as he walked off, I'm like, fuck off. And he'd come back and he got in my face. And I shit myself. Yeah. I'll be honest, I shit myself. Yeah, yeah. He didn't shout at me, he just, you know, he let, let me know, he told me about myself a little bit. Yeah. And I shit myself, and it made, made you think, hold on a minute. They, you know, they have a right. It's like, with a law, you know if I get a parking fine, you know if I get a speeding ticket, and initially I'm fucking this, I'm saying bastard day day. When I've calmed so down, when I've calmed down, I'll say, look, I'm old enough to know the rules now. <laughs> I know I was parked illegally. I know I was speeding. I know I was doing this. So it's accountability, mm-hmm. and that's what people. This do. comes down to us as being parents, like we've said it before. If um, the teacher phone up and said Kevin's been naughty, I've been naughty. I'd go home. I don't have a volleyball. Mm-hmm. My dad, as tough as he is, and my mum as fearless as she is, wouldn't walk in and threaten the teachers. It's, I'd be naughty. And when, yeah. when we keep saying, like Jasmine, 
I promote our love with every part of my body to teach her friends to be up and say she's been naughty. I'm taking the teacher's side because yeah. she's been naughty. Mm-hmm. If she's been bullied by the teachers, it's a bit different and then we'll get to the bottom of the problem. My first instinct isn't, no, my Jasmine has done nothing wrong. No. It's, and that's what we do with the police, yeah. the next door neighbours. We believe our children have done nothing wrong instead of going, hang on. Let's put this right. Yeah. And next time you do that, we're going to, whatever your disciplining measures are. Yeah. But it's no, my child could do nothing wrong. And I think, is it that, the, well, it is they can't do anything wrong, but it's like they take offence to anyone that's insinuating their child's done wrong. I mean, if, if Troy, if, say, my oldest, if he gets in trouble, I'll listen and I'll speak to him and I'll just say to him, just don't lie to me. Mm-hmm. I can't fight your corner. I'll fight your corner to the death but I can't do that if you don't give me all the facts I can't be in there saying easy and then find out you're lying mm-hmm. because then it makes you look a dick and no one's going to take it seriously but I'm exactly like you mate that if they've done wrong they have to answer for yeah, it yeah. you know and I'm not going to beat them like no. they did step child or anything like that you know I'm I'm not going to do that but they're going to have to understand the, the severity of what they've done but you know it, people don't do that I'm like cheeky bastard saying my kids this and my kids that well I've seen your kid and they have you know yeah. they're not lying and back to the old Bill what we were saying see I talk to a lot of police who've been up here and whatever and they say like he goes everyone answers Kev until something happens to them and he goes we'd have the biggest gangsters whatever and if something's happened the bins aren't put out properly or someone's yeah. dinked he goes we have them phone calls and he goes last week you were calling me an FNC this week you want my help you want my help and that, that's the thing we like to have a go at them, but without them, you know, the good ones, yeah, it's just hard to crumble. And it wouldn't without, I mean, it's anarchy now, without even, and we've got a police presence, imagine if there was none. If anything, we need more of them. Yeah. And I, I think that, well, we all know the last thing that should be cut is any emergency service, yeah. be it fire, police or ambulance. And yet, we, we don't always like the police, but... You know, that's because we break the law. Some, <laughs> some of you break the law. That's, you know, and that's that's what it is. But that's their job for to, to do it. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I think sometimes, and I'm not here saying anything, but we've got to give credit where credit's due. The good ones are doing a great job. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, with anything, the good ones do a great job. But I think that's part of the problem as well. Keep calling the good ones. I think, you know... The, the majority. Yeah. I um, think that's where it's got to change because... Yeah. You know, we're the kind of yeah, it's a big police force, and the majority are, are, are horrible, or some of them are horrible. Actually, the police, yeah, you will get horrible people in there, but yeah. let's change that narrative to the good people. Yeah, I they're good if, people. It's yeah. the others that aren't. If you don't, if you don't break a law, you'll never have to cross the good or the bad of the well, force. Well, and ultimately, you the know. people. I think sometimes that's forgotten. Yeah, yeah. I mean. That's like when you're saying that, like I'm thinking of even even when you have road rage and stuff like that, you automatically you're talking to the car, you've not even seen the person behind you. <laughs> yeah. And I think, yeah, he's a fucking prick, you know. Yeah. Who? That KA there. And yeah. you're thinking, hold on, you've He's a priest. He's right though, but yeah. you don't associate with the person. No. You automatically take the offensive and you can't see them, you don't know who they are, you don't know what day they've had, and yet you automatically see them as 
that car there. Mm-hmm. So you might not even meant to do it. Genuine mistake. Do you know what we had we had one and it was um it wasn't a car. We was doing the roadworks in the Warwick Road in Birm- I think it's in Birmingham. I think that's what it was called, the Warwick Road. And it was a horrible road to work on. And we had to block some drives and long story short, this guy come out and he was being this and the other. And I didn't say anything, but the other lads took a bit of offence in this and the other. And I left him. I thought, you know, I, I was just chilled, it nothing to do with me. When he come back, he actually apologised. I said, you know, I apologise for being short. I've lost my son this morning. Mm. And I think taking that lesson, you never, ever know. Mm. You know, someone's cut you up or they've overtook you 200 mile an hour. The, the missus might have just gone in hospital or the mm. baby might have had a fall. And and it, it's that taking a second. I'm a, I'm a fucking hypocrite, I am. But it's that taking yeah, yeah. a second to, to think and say, you know what? I don't know the story. There might be a reason. Bam in front of me. I let them on the way. Well, I mean, I'll get pissed. Like, I'll, 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 I'll find as I got older, though, it didn't bother me. Like, no. I don't get I don't get road rage. I, I did when I was younger, but it's, no, it's just not worth my time. What does it achieve me getting angry at another car that's going in front? What's what's it might as Do you know what it is with me? It's it's. I always wanted. I used to fo- when people done me wrong. I would turn around and follow them when I was younger, <laughs> and I'd follow them into the street. Mummy said, "Be mummy said, be in the passenger seat." Fucking waste of petrol, that is, mate. No, ma- I've done it, and I've pulled up. It was going around the waterfront. This one was, and I was doing the speed limit, and he was up my arse in the focus. And as he overtook me, he gave me, you know, the the polish it sign. At the, at, as I walked past, adults, mate, you can say, yeah, call me a wanker, basically. <laughs> And, and I followed him to where he went. And all I wanted was for him to understand that he was in the wrong and to apologise. And he did. And I stopped doing all that because I'm fucking savage now with people. <laughs> I don't follow anyone anymore. Well, I said to Kate, because Kate does that sometimes, she'll have bad road rage. Not very often. But when Kate, our life could change yeah. dramatically by this. Because on there, Merlin was, you see, he gets out of the car, I'm going to protect you. And then our life can change. Yeah. I can be seriously hurt. I can seriously hurt him, and our life could change over someone sticking their fingers up. And I went, if you've got it, and sometimes, and we're all hypocrites, you know, as, as human beings are, and sometimes you lose your, your shit over yeah. nothing, but your life can change like that, and it's just, we're having a lovely day, we've just gone to see some bloody goats, and we've been feeding the chickens, someone cuts you up, he gets out, and you're like... At one point, she's banged his head, and or, that's it, you're done. Or, yeah, yeah he, you've hurt him, He's, he's hurt you, yeah. and your life has changed just like that, just by a moment's madness. And that's how fickle and weird life can be. You're having the best day or the worst day, and your life can just go bump. That's a, we, we're all only one action, one move away from taking it too far, mm-hmm. from something so trivial, mm-hmm. something that could could be forgotten. You know. It, is it worth it? I mean, when when you have issues or when you're having a bad day, you know, we are hypocrites, that's what mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. When you're calm, you can point out what people do wrong and you do it yourself. And mm-hmm. when you're angry, you are that person you point out as doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a natural cycle to be slightly hypocritical. You know, it's a human thing. How, how many times do you do it? You know people, I don't know, you know someone that thieves and thieves and thieves and then they have someone to talk and they're like, what have been bastards in this yeah. area? And, I'm, I'm not an angel, you know, I'm far from an angel, but I've had things took from my car, sat nabs in this and the someone said, you took that well. I said, well, well, I might not have done, but I've bought stolen goods, mm. or might not have done, <laughs> you know. Mm. So I've, I've sort of like bought into that, that cycle that I'm now 
I'm on the receiving end of the theft, and I'm like, oh, you bastards, mate. Yeah. Yeah. But when they're bringing me a deal, mm. oh, nice one, mate. See you next week. Yeah. You know, you see, women for critical, we encourage it to benefit ourselves, and that's just human nature. You know, oh, I'm having a bargain, but they're sold for me. You know, you, mm. best thing to do is they say those. Was it those? Well, save that quote. Save that quote. Good. <laughs> I was going to say we've been rabbits for a long time, but once again, R.I.P. to um, our man uh, from down south. Um, so, Craig, with that. Sorry, um, can I just uh, say as well, Steve Hansel, he's going through a tough time, been on the show, and Steve, we're here for you if you want to talk, um, and I hope everything gets better. Yes, bro. If you got my number and send my love to everyone who's involved steve's a, he's a very um he's, he's one of the patrons of, of the backcountry blokes and he's all, always comments always things so yeah mate hope things look up for you i don't know the situation that's the first of all but i hope everything turns out okay so craig over to you for that quote i think i was going to say he we've had seen spot the first stone you've had seen cast the first stone i've heard spot oh, in right. a song <laughs> and, and i like that version <laughs> Leave your stone. <laughs> so, gang, until we meet next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Tarot of it. Listen, listen, listen. And that's a wrap for another show. But if there are any comments or messages that you would like us to read out for our next podcast, please be in touch. There are also lots of different organisations at the bottom of this page, and hopefully they can help you or someone you care about. Please share this to spread the word. Until we talk next time, tarot a bit. Listen, listen, listen.